Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of the Jack Benny Show from the 1952-1953 season. This episode is one of our train episodes that has Jack heading off to another part of the country. Uh, he does these shows every season, and it's one of those recurring shows that he does into his television show as well. We, for years, as far as I know in all history, uh, Jack's television show version had been uh, not available. Uh, it wasn't. It was not in any of the syndication packages. I never saw it on any of the DVD packages that are out there. But uh, someone over at YouTube has found it and has put it on. I played it for you a couple weeks ago, kind of without much fanfare. Uh, but I do think this episode really deserves to be watched. In that, uh, it it's it is. It's nice to play it with this audio episode because the TV and audio episode are the same concept. This is the train episode, of course, for television. And so I would highly suggest that you come to this page so that we're linked to it and uh, watch the video. Um, to me, next to the Christmas episode, Christmas shopping episode, the famous one that uh, some of us watch every Christmas season, this episode is probably the closest to the radio version of any of the episodes. Uh, a lot of fun to watch. Uh, has, um, of course, Frank Nelson on it. It has uh, a wonderful presentation of uh, Mel Blanc doing the crying cab driver. It has, um, boy, just <laughs> just great piece after great piece that's on it. It, it has the sportsman. The sportsmen are often on the Jack Benny show, but you don't see them on the um, televised version if you're watching them, the reruns, because they usually cut them out because, of course, they are doing a tie-in to the advertiser at the time. And so it's an easy part to cut out of the episode to get it to fit in with modern uh, commercial space. And um, so you just don't see the sportsmen a lot. But here you get a chance to see them, see the original commercials that were on the show, now, we're also going to go with this. Anyway, fun episode today. I love the train episodes. They eventually try and do airplane episodes instead, and they just don't quite work. They did it in television. They did it in radio. Uh, the, the train episodes are just so much more fun. And uh, anyway, enjoy, and we will see you next time. The Jack Benny Program, transcribed and presented by Lucky Strike. You know, friends, in a cigarette, nothing, no nothing, beats better taste, and... Lucky tastes better, cleaner, fresher, smoother. Lucky tastes better, cleaner, fresher, smoother. For Lucky Strike means fine tobacco, richer tasting, fine tobacco. Lucky tastes better, cleaner, fresher, smoother. Lucky Strike, Lucky Strike. This is Don Wilson. I think you'll agree that smoking enjoyment depends on the taste of your cigarette. For nothing, no nothing, beats better taste. And Lucky's tastes better, cleaner and fresher and smoother. You see, Lucky's better taste starts with fine, mild, good-tasting tobacco. Remember, LSMFT, Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. But equally important, Lucky's are made better to taste better. Made round and firm and fully packed. 
That's why Lucky's draw freely, smoke evenly, and give you a cleaner, fresher, smoother taste. So, friends, get the one thing you want most in your cigarette, better taste. On your next trip to the cigarette counter, be happy, go lucky. Ask for a carton of Lucky Strike. You'll find... Lucky tastes better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Lucky Strike! Lucky Strike! Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Barry Livingston, Rochester, Dennis Day, Bob Crosby, and yours truly, Don Wilson. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, last Monday, Jack Benny took the Super Chief to New York to attend the testimonial dinner given by the Friars Club in honor of Bob Hope. Let's look in on him as he packs for the trip with the help of Rochester. Well, I think I better take some more warm clothing. It gets pretty cold in New York this time of the year. Yes, sir. I've already put in your long underwear. Good. I also want my heavy woolen socks. Uh-huh. My heavy suit. Got it. A couple of thick sweaters. Uh-huh. My hat and my woolen scarf. Yes, sir. My earmuffs, sheepskin-lined coat, and fur-lined gloves. That ought to... Wait a minute, Rochester. What's in that bag? You may get hungry, so I put in some whale blubber. <laughs> Never mind the jokes. It does get cold in New York. Well, let's see. I'm going to be on the train for three days. I better take something to read. Rochester, pack about five or six of my books. You know, the ones on the table there. Yes, sir. Uh-oh. Which book did you drop? The one from the California bank. <laughs> well, watch it next time. I wonder whether I should take my violin along or not. Should we put it to a vote? <laughs> Never mind. Eh, I'm not going to take it. Now, Rochester, if anybody wants to contact me while I'm in New York, I'll be at the Acme Plaza Hotel. Again? <laughs> Yes, and you don't have to use that tone of voice. They treat me very nice at the Acme Plaza. In fact, this time, they're giving me the penthouse suite. Oh, that's nice. That's the one that underlooks the park. <laughs> Never mind that. Since you were there with me last, that hotel has made a lot of improvement. You remember how every time I'd want to take a bath, I'd have to stand in line? Yes. Well, they put a bench there now. <laughs> and not only that, they... I'll get it, Rochester. Yes. Hello? Hello, Chuck. I have to talk fast, so don't interrupt. My father's found out that we're in love, so if we're going to get married, Chuck, we better elope. I'll get my things ready, and I'll be waiting for you. Goodbye, Chuck. <laughs> hmm. Who was it, boss? It's the wrong number. Must be a wrong number. I don't know any girls whose fathers are still alive. <laughs> yeah, I hope Chuck gets in touch with her. It'll probably spoil her honeymoon. Well, I've got everything ready, Mr. Benny, but you haven't got enough baggage. I know. I left mine in Palm Springs. But Bob Crosby's lending me a suitcase. He promised to bring it over. Yeah, I like going to New York. 
East side, west side, all around the town. You know, yeah. I, I sure wish I was going to New York with you. You need me, boy. Now, look, Rochester, I don't need you. I know that all you want to do is to get to Harlem, and I won't see you again until it's time to come home. You spend all your time there with your girlfriend, Dorothy. But, boy... No buts about it. The last time we went to New York, you didn't even wait till the train got into Grand Central. You pulled the emergency cord at 125th Street. <laughs> I know. Well, what was the big emergency? I had to get over to Dorothy's fast. Her boyfriend was the engineer on the train. <laughs> oh, I see. East side, west side, all around the town. I'll be at the Acme Plaza penthouse two flights down. <laughs> I'll answer the door, Rochester. You get my toothbrush and shaving stuff ready. Oh, hello, Bob. Hi, Jack. I brought the suitcase. Oh, thanks a lot. Come on in. Let's bring it in the other room where I'm packing. Ah, oh, hello, Mr. Crosby. Hey, that's the most expensive bag I've ever seen. And look at those initials in gold. B.C. Gee, Bob, this bag must have cost a lot of money. Oh, I don't know. You say it's Bing's. He loaned it to me. <laughs> oh, well, it certainly is the most beautiful suitcase I've ever seen. Let me open it. Gee, and it's just as beautiful on the inside. It's all fitted and made into sections. Bing had it made that way. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. What are all these compartments? Or, well, they're all marked. The uh, handkerchiefs, socks, ties, twenties, fifties, and hundreds. <laughs> oh, oh, yes, yes. Now I see. Some of the green rubbed off there. <laughs> well, this is the most novel suitcase I've ever seen. Well, Bing thinks of everything. Jack, uh, turn that little knob there on the side. The side of the suitcase? Mm -hmm. This knob here? Mm -hmm. Go ahead, turn it. Well, I'll be darned. Minute made orange juice. <laughs> well, Bob, it's awfully nice of you to lend me this bag and... Hey, wait a minute. What's this? Looks like a little sunbonnet. Hold oh, on. We packed the baby's things in this when we went to Palm Springs. I guess we forgot to take some of the things out. Oh, isn't this cute? The tiniest little dress I've ever seen. Look at these baby shoes, too. Bob... I mean, what does a baby need with all these handkerchiefs? Jack, they're not handkerchiefs. Oh, oh, oh! <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, Jack, I've got to be running along because... Excuse me a minute, Bob. I want to answer the phone. Hello? I'm all ready, Chuck. I've got my bag packed and I'm in my room on the third floor. But I'm a little nervous, so you'll have to carry me down the ladder. Goodbye, Chuck. <laughs> That's ridiculous. See, I haven't thought of eloping since I saw Theda Berra in Passion's Plaything. <laughs> Why can't that girl get the right number? Is there anything wrong, Jack? Yes, Bob, but it's a long story. Well, I, got, I think I'd better get back home. You know, I'm rehearsing a new song, and Charlie Bagby's coming over to accompany me on the piano. Have a nice trip. Oh, thanks a lot, Bob. Give my regards to Charlie, and... Hey, wait a minute. Say... Could it be? No, I guess not. <laughs> but then again, nah, it's silly to even think that. What's the matter, Jack? Well, tell me, is Charlie Bagby ever called Chuck? Huh? No, why? 
Well, some girl keeps calling me, and she's going to elope with some guy named Chuck. Oh, that wouldn't be Bagby. He hates women now. What do you mean now? Well, Jack, didn't you know that Charlie was all set to be married? And on the very day of the wedding, his girl jilted him? You mean she stood him up? Yeah, but he fell right back down again. <laughs> well, I don't blame her then. Say, Bob, what's the name of this new number you're rehearsing with Bagby? Well, it's called Keep It a Secret. Would you like to hear it? Yes, yes. Go ahead. Now, if you see my darling with somebody new, keep it a secret, whatever you do. Why should you tell me and break my poor heart? Then foolish pride would just drive us apart. If you see my darling in some rendezvous, painting the town with a boy she once knew, pay no attention. And just let it be, but keep it a secret from me. If you see my darling in some rendezvous, painting the town with a boy she once knew, Pay no attention and just let it be, but keep it a secret from me. That sounded swell. It's a real catchy tune. Well, gee, thanks, Jack. Well, I guess I'll run along now. Well, goodbye. See you when I get back. And, oh, by the way, enjoy yourself. Oh, and thanks. Say, you know, enjoy yourself. Yes, I know. <laughs> enjoy yourself. By the way, you know the weather in New York can get pretty cold. Are you taking your long underwear? Jack, I said, are you taking your long underwear? Mr. Crosby, you're new here. We've done all those flap jokes. <laughs> Yes, Bob. <laughs> well, so long. So long, Jack. Now, Rochester, uh, put all the extra clothes in the suitcase and hurry, will you? I want to be ready when Miss Livingston picks me up. Oh, Pauline. Pauline. Yes, Miss Livingston. Uh, if there are any calls for me while I'm gone, tell them I'll be back as soon as Mr. Benny's train leaves. Yes, ma'am. Miss Livingston, what's he going to New York for this time? Well, the Friars are giving Bob Hope a testimonial dinner, and Mr. Benny is supposed to make a speech there. Is he a good after-dinner speaker? Oh, yes. You should have heard him last night. He 
made one of the most stirring after-dinner speeches I ever heard. Where was that? At the thrifty drugstore. <laughs> the thrifty drugstore? Yes, right after we had dinner, he jumped up on the counter and complained about the bill. Gee, Miss Livingston, what did you do? What I always do. I paid it and we went home. <laughs> anyway, I hope Jack is a big hit in New York. You know, Miss Livingston, I don't think it's fair. Uh, what isn't fair, Pauline? Well, Mr. Benny goes to testimonial dinners and gets all the glory, but you're the real star of his radio program. Oh, Pauline, you're sweet, but Mr. Benny has more to say on the show than I do. Straight lines, yes, but you get all the laughs. <laughs> oh, Pauline. Yes, you do. And where would he be if, if, if you didn't read all those hilarious letters from your mother? Well... And what would happen if he couldn't make jokes about you working at the maid company? Yeah. And every week he gets a great big salary and all you get is a few dollars. Hmm. I never thought of that. Hello? Mary, what's keeping you? I ought to slap your face. <laughs> The stooge. <laughs> well, I promised to take him to the station, so I might as well do it. Well, here we are at the station. It sure is nice of you to let me drive your car, Miss Livingston. Oh, that's all right, Rochester. And now, boss, I'll park the car and take care of the baggage while you get your tickets out of this. That'll make everything according to your schedule. Schedule? Yes. You see, Mary, I have so little time on this trip that I got everything planned. I catch the super chief here at 8 p.m. tonight. I'm in Chicago at noon the day after tomorrow. I get on the 20th century at 5 o'clock, arrive in New York at 9 a.m., go to my room at the Acme Plaza, take a nap until 4 in the afternoon, get up, wash, shave, and shower by 5, dress by 6, get to the Waldorf by 8, and attend Bob Hope's dinner. Then catch the plane at 11.30 and be home the next morning. Boy, what you won't go through to get a free meal. <laughs> free meal, free meal. Come on, let's get into the station. Train now leaving on track five for Anaheim, Azusa, and Cucamonga. Jack. I thought you told Rochester to take your bag. How come you're carrying that suitcase? Oh, I want to take extra good care of it, Mary. It's a very expensive bag. You know, it belongs to Bing Crosby. Oh. Say, Jack, let's go over to the soda fountain. I'm kind of thirsty. Just get a lily cup. I'll give you some orange juice. <laughs> <laughs> what? On second thought, we haven't time for that. Let's see. Where do I get my tickets validated? Attention, please. Attention. The Sunset Limited, now leaving for Baton Rouge, New Orleans, and Jambalaya. Son of a gun, we have big fun on the bio. Mary, you wait here for me, will you? Okay, I'll go over to the newsstand and buy a magazine. Okay. Now, let's see if I... Uh... Oh, hello, Jack. Oh, hello, Don. Oh, boy, I'm sure glad I caught you. You almost didn't, Don. It's just a few minutes of train time. I know, but it wasn't my fault. My wife and I took her nephew, Tommy, out to dinner. Tommy? 
Oh, yes, I know him. He's that mischievous little kid, isn't he? Ah, he's not so bad, Jack. He isn't, eh, Don? That kid can get into more trouble. Well, as a matter of fact, he did embarrass me a little. I can imagine. That boy is the worst. What happened? Well, after dinner, I paid the check and left a couple of bucks for the waitress, and then we drove home. And when we got there, Tommy stuck out his hand and said, Uncle, here's the two dollars you left on the table. Gee, what a wonderful kid. I had them all wrong, you know. The Union Pacific Streamliner now arriving from Las Vegas on track... Seventeen. <laughs> now, Don, excuse me. I've got to get my ticket back. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Jack. Before you go, the sportsman quartet came down to say hello to you and welcome you back. Well, that's all. Say hello to me. Don, I'm going away. I'm leaving. They know that, Jack, but they can't be here at the station when you come back, so they're going to say hello to you now. But, Don, Don, that's the silliest Take thing. Take it, fellas. Don, what kind of a thing is that? Hello, hello, Jack. Welcome home. We're glad you're back. We have missed you and your big blue eyes. Fellas, I'm not back. I'm just hello, leaving. Hello, I'll be back on salary. You were looking at four hungry guys. Boys, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I'm going I'm away. We're so tired of jumping on our pogo. Oh, could have made me late for my train. Now I've got to get my ticket validated. Attention, please. Attention. We have a special announcement to make about our lost and found department. It's been lost. <laughs> now, let's see. Oh, there's the window where I'm supposed to go. I hope I don't... Uh... Hello, Mr. Benny. Why, Mr. Ketchup? Well, what are you doing here at the station, Mr. Kitzel? I'm waiting to meet my wife's train. She's coming back from Chicago. <laughs> oh, from Chicago, eh? Yes. Was she visiting relatives there? No, she was a delegate at the Republican convention. <laughs> Wait a minute, Mr. Kitzel. The convention was held in July. What kept her so long? They let her make a speech, and she just finished. <laughs> oh, oh, I take it your wife talks a lot, huh? A sage observation. In fact, it was because of these that we almost didn't got married. 
What do you mean you didn't got married? The preacher asked her, do you take this man to be your lawful wedded husband? And she went into a filibuster. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Kessel, you're joking. Joking, he said. <laughs> but anyway, I'm glad she's coming back today. This is our wedding anniversary. And when she gets off the train, I wouldn't even let her unpack her bag. I'm taking her straight to Niagara. Oh, Niagara Falls? No, Niagara the picture. I want to see Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> oh, you like Marilyn Monroe, huh? Ooh. <laughs> well, if you're so crazy about Marilyn, why are you taking your wife to the picture? I want her to see why we don't get along. <laughs> The Super Chief departs on track nine in ten minutes. Well, I better go get my ticket validated, Mr. Kitzel. I'm going to New York. New York. How I envy you. What a city. How I'd like to see the bright lights, the tall buildings, the busy streets, the green fields. The green fields? Oh, you're in Max Greenfield, my cousin. <laughs> Oh, yes, yes, I met them. Oh, by the way, Mr. Bennett, you can do me a big favor. Oh, I'll be glad to. What is it? Well, I got an uncle in New York, Willie Kitzel. Mm-hmm. He's like the black sheep in the family. Never works, can't hold a job, practically a bum. Uh-huh. The only way he gets along is when the family gives him a little spending money. Here, take this $10 bill and give it to him from me. Well, certainly, when I get to New York, I'll call him up. What's his phone number? I don't know, but he's living in a dump called the Acme Plaza. <laughs> well, I'll see if I can find the hotel. Goodbye, Mr. Kitzel. Goodbye, Mr. Kitzel. Oh, there's the window. Attention, please. Attention. The new 160-mile-an-hour super streak now leaving for Phoenix, El Paso, St. Louis, New York, and maybe London. <laughs> what does he mean, maybe London? It has bad brakes. <laughs> well, that's the silliest thing I ever heard. Hey, Jack. Jack, you got your ticket validated? No, I ran into Mr. Kitzel. Well, you better hurry. The Super Chief will be leaving soon. I know. Here, I bought you some magazines. The Saturday Evening Post, Reader's Digest, Collier's, and Jack, you'll love this book. What is it? How to Make Money Straightening Gopher's Teeth. <laughs> Mary, you're very funny. <laughs> My maid thinks so. <laughs> well, never mind. Attention, please. Attention. This is contrary to our policy but there is someone here who wishes to make a special announcement. Go ahead. Chuck, I got out of the house myself and I'm waiting for you. I would have been here sooner, but I stopped at the bank and drew out all of my money. Ten thousand dollars. Ten thousand... Coming! Coming! Yeah! Huh? Oh, oh, excuse me, Mary. What's the matter with me? I don't even know her. Now, Mary, wait here. I'm going to take care of my tickets. It's that window over there. Oh, mister, are you the man who validates tickets? No, I'm just here because I was born with this rubber stamp in my hand. 
Look, all I want you to do is validate my ticket. Yeah, very well. Where are you going? To New York. Good. Now, if we can just get rid of the smog. <laughs> Never mind that. I have... I have my ticket, but not my Pullman space. Well, would you like a compartment? No, no, I'm by myself. A roomette? No, I don't even need that. As a matter of fact, I don't even need a lower berth. Tell me, do you have any uppers? Well, I... Wait a minute. <laughs> Ask me that again. Do you have any uppers? Yes, and if you don't go away, I'll bite you. <laughs> You're very funny. And my butler thinks so. Now cut that out! <laughs> the super chief now leaving for Kansas City and Chicago. Jack, Jack, you'll miss the train. Hurry! I will if this man will stamp my ticket. Okay, there. Now go already. Look out, Mary. I got to run for it. Goodbye. Bye, Jack. Phew. I just made it. Oh, so did I. Oh, Chuck, give me a boost. What? Oh, she's not talking to me. Come on, Chuck, give me a boost. Okay, honey, give me your hand. Well, I'll be darned. It really is Bagby. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thousands of people are destitute because of the recent floods in Holland. You can help these people in rehabilitating their homes and their lands by sending a care food, linen, or tool package. So won't you please help? Send your donations to CARE. That's C-A-R-E, CARE, Los Angeles or New York. Thank you. Jack will be back in just a moment. But first, a word to cigarette smokers. Nothing, no, nothing beats better taste. And remember... Lucky tastes better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Lucky tastes better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. For lucky strike me. Pine tobacco, richer tasting. Pine tobacco. Lucky tastes better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Lucky strike, lucky strike. Friends, the taste of your cigarette is all important. For in a cigarette, nothing, no, nothing beats better taste. And Lucky's taste better. Cleaner and fresher and smoother. You see, Lucky's better taste really begins with fine, light, truly mild tobacco. Yes, LSMFT, Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Good tasting tobacco, of course. Then, too, Lucky's taste better because they're made better. Made to give you a cleaner, fresher, smoother tasting smoke. So, friends, remember how important better taste is to your enjoyment of a cigarette. And remember that Lucky Strike gives you the better taste of fine tobacco in a better-made cigarette. But most of all, remember to pick up a carton of Lucky's tomorrow. Yes, be happy. Go Lucky. Be happy. Go Lucky. Get better taste today. Now, let's see... After applying braces to the gopher's teeth, you apply pressure by tightening every three months. <laughs> oh, this is ridiculous. I'll just sit here and... Hmm. I wonder why all the passengers are going up toward the front of the train. I think I'll follow them and see. Everybody's crowded around the engineer. I wonder what he's doing. 
by the power vested in me by the Atchison, Topeka, and Santa Fe, I now pronounce you man and wife. Oh, Chuck, now you're mine. All mine. Oh, uh, isn't that sweet? Good night, folks. Jack Benny program is written by Sam Perrin, Milt Josephsberg, George Balzer, John Packerberry, and produced and transcribed by Hilliard Marks. Be sure to hear The American Way with Horace Height for Lucky Strike every Thursday over this same station. Consult your newspaper for the time. Jack Benny program is brought to you by Lucky Strike, product of the American Tobacco Company, America's leading manufacturer of cigarettes. This is the CBS Radio Network. RCA Victor, world leader in radio, first in recorded music, and first in television, presents Transcribed, the Phil Harris, Alice Faye Show. For your enjoyment, here is the Phil Harris, Alice Faye Show, written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevalier, with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Robert North, Janine Roos, Anne Whitfield, Walter Sharp in his music, and yours truly, Bill Foreman. Because of circumstances beyond their control, many people have missed the opportunity to go to college. That happened to Phil, but tonight he gets his chance at a higher education. More about that later. First, a word from RCA Victor. Every year, more people buy RCA Victor than any other television, because year after year, the big advances in television come from RCA Victor. And now, for 1953, RCA Victor brings you a complete new line of television. The whole new line of 23 models is five ways finer. First, there's a new automatic magic monitor. This advanced circuit system automatically screens out static, automatically ties the best sound to the clearest picture. Second, new realism is added to the picture you receive thanks to RCA's improved deep image picture tube. Third, each set gives new long distance reception. Fourth, RCA Victor brings you its new advanced VHF UHF tuner. Optional at modest extra cost. This automatic multi-channel tuner is proved to have twice the sensitivity of many other tuners. And fifth, you have a choice of 42 different combinations of cabinet styles and finishes. The greatest variety in RCA Victor history. Yes, again this year, the big advances in TV are yours with RCA Victor. And yet, prices still start at only $199.95. $199.95. That's the budget low price of the Wayne, big 17-inch television in a handsome table model cabinet. Tomorrow, ask your dealer to show you why this set and every new RCA Victor is five ways finer for 53. And for expert installation and service, ask about an RCA Victor factory service contract. And now the stars of the RCA Victor program, Alice Faye and Phil Harris. In Rapid City, South Dakota, there is a certain Indian named Andrew Fasthorse who claims to be Phil's cousin. And for the past three weeks, he's been taking Phil for quite a bit of money. And now as we look in on the Harris home, Phil has just received another package from his so-called cousin, Andrew. 
Oh, Phil, did you send away for another package from that chiseler, Andrew Fast Horse? Andrew is not a chiseler. He's not, huh? He sold you on the idea that you're the last of the Mohicans. And now every week he sends you another package of Indian junk and charges you 50 or $75 for it. So far you've spent $750. It wasn't junk. It was money well spent. Where else could I have gotten a genuine buffalo hide lounging pajamas for only $65? Yes, that was a buy. Now, what did you send away for this time, and how much did this bundle cost you? Well, I don't know what's in it, but it was worth every penny of the $100 it cost me. You sent him $100, and you don't know what's in it? No, honey, this is the Fast Horse Special. This is the big, giant Mohican surprise package. <laughs> Gee whiz, I can't wait to see what's in this one. It's going to be a dandy. Oh, honey, look what Cousin Andrew sent me this time. A whole box of assorted items. Look at all these things. Well, what are they? A pair of feathered bicycle clips. <laughs> a can of concentrated smoke for sending smoke signals. <laughs> a book of instructions on how to bribe a lacrosse player. <laughs> and honey, look at this. Oh, just what you needed. A dozen beaded matzo balls. <laughs> Them ain't matzo balls. They're candied buffalo bonbons. <laughs> They're delicious with a glass of Mohican Muscatel. Phil, why don't you just send that stuff back? There isn't anything in here worth over a nickel. Oh, there ain't, huh? There's something that's worth over $100 in itself right here. This is truly a collector's item. Andrew says it's the only one of its kind in existence. Well, what is it? It's the only picture ever taken of sitting bulls standing up. <laughs> oh, the Louvre would give anything for this. All right, all right, Phil. Is there anything else in that Indian grab bag? Well, wait a minute. I'll see. Uh-oh. Oh, goody. Andrew sent me my Mohican birth certificate. This proves I'm a Mohican. Hey, wait a minute. There's a note attached to it, too. I'll read it to you. <clears throat> it says, Dear Chief with red eyes and staggering feet. <laughs> that must be my Indian nickname. <laughs> by this time, you have opened your giant Mohican surprise package and are overwhelmed by your prizes. However, if for any reason you are dissatisfied with the contents, please feel free to return the package and your money will be cheerfully. And now, dear... <laughs> Hold it, Phil Your money will be cheerfully what? He doesn't say <laughs> Andrew can be very vague at times Now let's see what else he's got to say here Oh yeah And now, dear cousin For my Mohican message of the week In my efforts to aid the Indian I have uncovered a piece of information That will better the lot of you My fellow red men Many years ago, the Mohican tribe gave a piece of land in New Hampshire to the white man, on which they built Dartmouth. In return, the white man guaranteed that any member of the Mohican tribe who wished to go to Dartmouth would be admitted free of charge. Alice, did you hear that? I can go to Dartmouth in New Hampshire free of charge. Oh, isn't this wonderful? <laughs> Honey, I could... Wait a minute, I'll get that. Gee whiz, this is wonderful news. 
To think this could happen to me, a barefoot Mohican boy. Hiya, Curly. Hey, Elliot, am I glad to see you. I just got sensational news for you. The greatest thing just happened to me. Guess what? You found out where Alice hides her money. <laughs> no, that's one secret she's going to take with her to the happy hunting ground. <laughs> no, Elliot, I've just found out that being the last of the Mohicans, I'm entitled to go to Dartmouth for nothing. Isn't that exciting? Oh, Curly. This is the most thrilling bit of news I've heard since this morning's frost warning. <laughs> uh, did you know they're smudge potting in Pomona tonight? I said, all right, all right. Why are you so excited about being able to go to Dartmouth? Why? Because Dartmouth is the greatest... Uh, well, it's the newest... It's undoubtedly the largest... Yeah? You ain't gonna give me a hint, huh? <laughs> you just gonna stand there and let me make a dope of myself? Curly, how can you get excited about going someplace when you don't know where you're going? Oh, I know where I'm going. I just don't know what it is I'm going to. <laughs> I better tell you. Dartmouth is a college. What? A college? Mm-hmm. Oh, that... Double-crossing Andrew. I thought it was at least a new racetrack or a brewery. <laughs> you know, this is the first dishonest thing that that Andrew has ever done to me. He's really a college. Curly, why don't you take advantage of this offer and go to college? You know, an education wouldn't hurt you. I don't need it. I happen to be a college graduate. You're a college graduate? That's right, and I got a lot of degrees. I'm a B.A., an M.A. and a FUD. A FUD? Yeah. Ph.D. Z. FUD. <laughs> that wasn't hard, was it? I can see that you ain't never been to no college. Are you kidding? I want a scholarship to a bartender's school. <laughs> Good old Mickey Finn University. <laughs> I majored in martinis and graduated summa cum laude. <laughs> you can get down now. I'll never forget my old dean, Think a Drink Hoffman. <laughs> Elliot, you never went to college any more than I did. All right, I'll stop if you will. Curly, what makes you think you can go to college for nothing? Well, just look at this letter I just got from Andrew Fasthorse. It explains the whole thing. Let Read me, it. Let me see. Hmm. This is very interesting. Hey, Curly, you going to take advantage of this offer and go to Dartmouth? No. Now that I know it's a college, I ain't interested. Did you read this letter all the way through? No, you interrupted me. Well, let me finish it for you. <clears throat> Not only does Dartmouth College agree to furnish any Mohican with free tuition but it also agrees to furnish each Indian with a quart of whiskey every semester. Well, what's that got to do with what I'm trying... <laughs> <laughs> Would you mind repeating that last beautiful phrase? <laughs> they agree to furnish you with a quart of whiskey every semester. What do you say that, Curly? 
Ra, 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 sis, boom, ba. Here I come, Dartmouth, so open your bar. <laughs> ba? Yes, ba. Ba. I'm a poor little lamb who has lost my way. Ba, ba. <laughs> that kind of ba. <laughs> you know something, Elliot? I feel that every American boy should have a college education. You know something? You're right, Curly. Oh, Phil, I... Oh, hello, Elliot. Hi, Alice. Did Joe College tell you about his chance to go to Dartmouth? Yeah, he told me. <laughs> Can you imagine him going to college? Isn't it the most ridiculous thing you ever heard? <laughs> all right, all right. When you're through, when you two get through laughing, Alice, you can go up and pack my bags. I'm on my way. Put in my raccoon coat, my ukulele, my textbooks, my dictionary, and a shot glass. And a shot. <laughs> You're not serious about going to college I certainly am Every man should have a good education But Phil No but I'm going back east to college And I may be gone for quite a while What do you mean? I'm taking a special course in bottleology <laughs> It's a very stiff subject How long will this course take? Four years or 600 quarts Whichever he finishes first I don't know what you two are talking about but you're not leaving home to go away to school, Phil. Well, why not? I couldn't let you go away from home. After all, dear, you're just a sweet, innocent little old man. <laughs> Besides, who would take care of you? And, and where would you live? Well, that's sweet of you, but you don't have to worry about me, honey. I'll get a nice, clean room in a sorority house and live there. <laughs> and don't bother to correct me. I know what I'm saying. <laughs> out of my sight, Junior. Alice, I've made up my mind to go to Dartmouth, and there's no use arguing because I'm going. It's going to feel good to be a schoolboy again. You know, Elliot, when I get to college, I might take up my old sport. Necking? <laughs> no, I'm not in condition for that. My wind is gone. <laughs> No, I'm going to take up the sport I was champ at. Javelin throwing. You were a javelin thrower? And a darn good one, buddy. I used to take that javelin and rear back on one foot and... Wait a minute, I'll show you. Alice, hand me that mop. Oh, please, Bill, the mop is wet. I ain't going to throw it. I just want to show him my form. Let me have it. Thanks. Look, Elliot. Mm-hmm. I used to take it by the handle like this. And then yeah. I'd rear back, take two steps forward, and let it go straight up. Whoops, it slipped. Anybody home? I brought them. Who <laughs> oh, hit me in the push with this wet spaghetti? <laughs> Who ever heard of spaghetti with a handle? <laughs> Look, kid, I'm sorry. I was just practicing my old sport. You see, uh, I'm going to college. How are you going? In a jar or a bottle? <laughs> going to Dartmouth to win his letter. You see, he's a big athlete. Tell him about it, Phil. Gladly. You see, kid, when I was younger, I was a great athlete. I was the one who oh, used to come in... Oh, you don't in... have to tell me about it, Mr. Harris. I'm well acquainted with your athletic achievements. I read all about it in the papers when you won the Olympic title. He won an Olympic title? In what sport? He was face 
jerk on the tug-of-war team. <laughs> oh, was he the one who brought the cup back to the States? All you? right, you two, break it up, will you? Mr. Harris, are you serious about being a college boy? You're darn right. You can't be a college boy. You ain't got a hot rod. I don't need no... Ah. I should have a hot rod with a foxtail. Tell you what, I have a hot rod I never use. How about you have it as a going-away prison? You can drive to Dartmouth in it. Hey, that'd be nice to drive across the country in. Oh, it's a souped-up job. It'll go 100 miles an hour. A hundred miles an hour? Yeah, I can see you speeding along in it. Yeah. Hey, this car's got everything. It's got an automatic top, hydromatic drive, twin carburetors, and no brakes. <laughs> no brakes? Julius, if I tried to drive that car, I'd be... The messiest Indian you ever saw. <laughs> I think I'll take the train. You know, Phil, I don't think you ought to go to college. Miss Faye, you don't have to worry. You can't get into college. You didn't even go to high school. I did, too. I was an honor student. I'll admit I didn't finish high school, but it wasn't my fault. I was there for three weeks when something came up and I had to quit. What came up? My marriage to Alice. <laughs> Why should your marriage interfere with your high school education? Well, it was inconvenient for Alice. She was a movie star at the time, and every morning on the way to the studio, she had to drop me off at school, and then in the afternoon, she had to pick me up, and... <laughs> well, it was conflicting, so rather than have Alice give up her job, I gave up my education. <laughs> what a noble sacrifice. For the woman he loved, he became stupid. <laughs> Stupid, but wealthy. <laughs> Mr. Harris, what are you making all this fuss about? You can't go to college. What do you mean I can't go to college? You can't get into any college without a high school diploma. I... I can't? Oh, gee whiz, I had my heart set on going to college. Now I can't go. Well, look, if you're so set on going to college, I know a guy who'll print you up a phony high school diploma. A phony? Mm hmm What guy? My friend Grogan. Grogan? I thought all he printed was counterfeit money. Not anymore. He's gone legit. <laughs> he can make you a high school diploma. You can't tell from the real thing. You mean you can't... Can't tell. You're kidding. No, I'm not kidding. Well, then what are we standing here for? Let's go see him. It's going to cost you a little money. I don't care. It'll be worth it. I'll stop at the bank first and get some money, and then we'll go over and see Grogan. This will fix everything. Right. So long, Alice. I'll see oh, you later. Bill, don't you dare. Julius. Julius, he's going to do it. I've got to stop him. Let him go. Where'd he get this idea of going to college anyway? Oh, he got another letter from that Andrew Fast Horse in Rapid City. He's still being taken by that Indian hustler? Yes. <laughs> yes, and if there was only some way I could make Phil realize that Andrew is a fake, I... Wait a minute. She must have an idea. I see an electric light bulb flashing over her head. <laughs> I know a way to discredit that Andrew Fast horse. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to beat Mr. Harris down to Grogan. Well, I'll drive you over, Miss Faye, providing you sing for me on the way down. 
Why do you want me to sing? Well, I ain't got no horn in my truck And I gotta warn a pedestrian some way <laughs> I get the darndest request <laughs> Along so unexpected Makes you feel so disconnected Comes along a love Comes along a love Suddenly, brother, are you happy and excited? Comes along a love Suddenly every dream you've had becomes invited Comes along a love Suddenly every dream you've had becomes ignited just begin to live Comes along a love Comes along a love Comes along a love Suddenly though you never sang You're always singing Comes along a love Comes along a love Suddenly chimes you never heard before Keep ringing Comes along a love Comes along a love Suddenly night and day Your heart is highland flinging You love Each day you live Comes along a love I don't care how Blue, you're feeling now. You sparkle and you bubble. See each bluebird double. Comes, Comes along a love suddenly, Patty. Things no longer seem to phase you. Comes along a love suddenly, everyone around you seems to praise you. Comes along a love suddenly, you discover things that just amaze you. You just begin to live. Comes along a love. I don't care how blue you're feeling now. You sparkle and you bubble. You see each bluebird double. Comes along a love suddenly, petty little things no longer fade. Comes along a love. Comes along a love suddenly, everyone around you seems to praise you. Comes along a love. You comes along a love. Suddenly you, you discover things that just amaze you. You just, you just begin to live, to live and really love, really love each day you live. Comes along the phony high school diplomas or not. They might be able to tell it at Dartmouth, and if it's a fake, they're going to throw me out. Girl Lee, I assure you, nobody could tell Grogan's work from the real thing. This stuff is... Yeah, here's the shop. Let's go in. No, Elliot, I've never done a dishonest thing in my life, and I'm not going to start now. I'm not going to buy anything here. I'm leaving. Touch that doorknob, and you're a dead Mohican. <laughs> Something about his sales talk that I can't resist. <laughs> Hello, Grogan. Howdy, gents. Welcome to ye old village forgery. <laughs> Just what can I do for you? Well, I've come in to buy a phony. You have come to the right place. <laughs> hey, uh, what do you have in mind? He wants a diploma. Do you have any in stock? Well, certainly. Of course, we have just stepped right over to our bogus sheepskin department. <laughs> it's across the aisle from the watered stock certificate counter. <laughs> he carries a complete selection of worthless merchandise. <laughs> well, uh, here are our diplomas, and uh, may I suggest this one? A diploma from the Marble Slab School of Medicine. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now, this one costs $4, but it's worth it because it gives you the right to do brain surgery. <laughs> you hang... Look, I don't want to be a surgeon, Grogan. Hands too shaky, huh? Yeah. Well, I have another college diploma that Grogan, I'm... Grogan, will you listen to me? I just want a high school diploma. A high school diploma? Harris, you ain't gonna go out of here stupid. You are gonna have a college diploma. I tell you, I don't need a college diploma. I'm actually going to college. Oh, you are? Oh, well, in that case, I can let you have a phony scholarship to a great college. Yes, sir. How would you like to go to Smirnoff University in Moscow? <laughs> I don't think so. No, this Smirnoff, this is a great university, you know. Because not only do you get a free scholarship, you see, but every other semester, they furnish you with a quart of vodka. I got a better deal going for me at Dartmouth. <laughs> hey, look, Harris, I ain't got no time to waste with you because I got a big order of phony bite certificates to send to a customer of mine in Rapid City, South Dakota. Well, I don't want to hear your troubles. I don't care to... Rapid City, South Dakota? Yeah. That's a coincidence. Uh, I got a cousin living there named Andrew Fasthorse. Well, that's a coincidence because that's my customer. <laughs> Your customer? Yeah, yeah, this Andrew always got a great racket going for him. He gets in touch with the suckers who think they got some Indian blood, you see, and he sells them on the idea that they are the last of the Mohicans. Oh, no. No, no! This can't be true. Oh, wait a minute. Don't tell me. I printed up 3,000 Mohican bite certificates for him last week. <laughs> Don't believe me, Harris. I'll prove it to you. I have one of the Mohican bite certificates right here in my pocket. That's a coincidence. He's got one in his pocket, too. <laughs> oh, no, Harris. You don't mean that you were taken in by this fast horse guy. All right, Grogan. Don't mention his name to me again. He told me that I'm a Mohican, and now I find out I'm not. Oh, this is awful. Now I can't go to Dartmouth. This is the worst thing that Andrew has ever done to me. He humiliated you, Curly, and I don't blame you for getting mad. That ain't what I'm mad at. I'm getting gypped out of a quart of whiskey every semester. <laughs> so what? So you don't get a quart of whiskey every six months? Six months? Is that what a semester is? <laughs> I thought it meant every time the bell rang. <laughs> oh, well, come on, Elliot. The heck with being an Indian. I'm doing better as the pale face. <laughs> Go on, Grogan. Ha, ha, ha. Worked like a charm. You can come out of that back room now, Miss Faye. Oh, Mr. Grogan, you were wonderful. Well, yeah, yeah. I heard every word you said, and you really convinced Phil that Andrew is a phony. Well, I did just like you asked me to, and I was glad to do it because I hate to see honest people taken by chiselers. <laughs> well, how can I ever thank you? By giving me $100. <laughs> You're charging me $100? Yeah. Oh, well, it was worth it. Here's your money. Oh, by the way, I'll write you out a receipt. Received from Alice Faye Harris, $100, signed Rodney J. Grogan. Here you are. Thank you, Mr. Grogan. Goodbye. It's a nice girl. 
Well, the disappearing ink should disappear from that receipt in about ten minutes, and I can go around and collect again. <laughs> Back in just a moment. The RCA Estate Range is the symbol of fine cooking to millions of homemakers. And for 1953, the new RCA Estate Range brings you new conveniences, new adventures in cooking. On the range top, there's the hideaway griddle that grills perfectly, avoids the grease of fried foods. And in a matter of seconds, this wonderful griddle converts to a huge fifth unit that's so handy for canning and pressure cooking. But the RCA Estate Range offers much more. There's a radiant heat meat oven for barbecuing. And while the barbecuer prepares your meats, you can bake your pastries and casseroles in a separate balanced heat oven that operates automatically. Here's the range for your home, the range you'll find in Duncan Hines' own kitchen. See both the gas and electric RCA estate. They're the ranges that can grill, bake, and barbecue all at once. This is Phil again. The Reserve Officers Association believes that national security depends upon a military establishment of both regular and reserve forces, each in the proportion required by the needs of the times. The Armed Forces Reserve Act of 1952 prescribes rights and privileges as well as responsibilities for every young man of our country. For information on the new Armed Forces Reserve Act, Write to Reserve Officers Association, Connecticut Avenue, Washington 8, D.C. Thanks, everyone, and good night. Good night, everybody. Included in this program transcribed was Sheldon Leonard. The part of Julius was played by Walter Tetley. The character Andrew Fasthorse was created by and is used under license from Richard English. You'll really enjoy the latest Hugo Winterhalter album. It's called That Winterhalter Magic. In this new RCA Victor album, the Winterhalter Orchestra and Chorus delight you with their musical talents in a variety of selections, including Blue Tango, Beyond the Blue Horizon, and The Mule Driver. Listen to all eight tunes in the new album, That Winterhalter Magic, at your RCA Victor record dealers tomorrow. The album is only $2.80 on new 45 extended play records, $3 on long play. Next, hear Theater Guild on the air over NBC. This is the last episode uh, for quite a while that features Jack Benny. Uh, the Jack Benny show, um, let's follow this through for a second. Uh, Phil Harris left the show to go... Uh, being the Merchant Marines for 16 weeks. Okay, we're on week. What are we on week 14 of that? I guess maybe 15, maybe 15. I think 15. Uh, anyway, so he's gone, and he's had people sub for him. And so today, of course, uh, we get to have Bob Crosby again. Uh, it's kind of a preview because Bob Crosby, of course, will re will replace uh, Phil Harris. 
um, for the last couple of years of the radio run, uh, a decade from now in 1953-ish. Uh, anyway, next week, Jack will be gone, and he'll have uh, Burns and Allen hosting the show in his place. And then following that, for the next four weeks, he has Orson Welles hosting the show in his place. So he's gone for a total of five weeks, and then he comes back. Uh, they never really explain too much of why he's out. Um, he's sick, supposedly, or whatever. But um, in real life, he had pneumonia that he caught when I believe he was touring over in Cairo and brought back pneumonia with him and uh, was just wiped out. Um, alternately, you hear that he almost died and that sort of thing. My impression is, from everything I've read and everything I've heard, he didn't almost die, but he was deathly ill and um, you know, was was very sick. And chances are, if they would have had him continue his show, um, he could have died. So it was good they gave him that rest that he needed and everything. Uh, it's, it's interesting to think, what if he would have died? Because if he had, would his show have lived on? Would there be a legacy and everything? Uh... And, and I think there still would have been. I think if you take all the shows from 1943 and before, uh, you still have an amazing career that we would still listen to today and be and, and, and think it was a wonderful thing that he did. But luckily, we had him for another three decades, and we got to see him do television, and we had to, got to enjoy radio for another um, over a decade, and uh, we're really blessed that Jack didn't die. Uh, anyway, those episodes without Jack, I thought I would save, and those would be the first ones I would play for next year's um, War Years. And it'd be kind of a different start and just kind of a delay for five weeks until all of a sudden Jack pops up back on the show. So... Um, but if you folks want me to play some of those, email me or something. Tell me what you want me to do, and, and I'll, I'll consider playing those this season. Maybe I'll play them both maybe this season and next season. I don't, I don't know. Um, what else? I want to thank you folks. There's been a couple more nice uh, reviews on um, iTunes that people have put in there. Uh, I've, I've read those and enjoyed those. Um, Whenever I'm feeling down or sad or anything, I read those iTunes reviews and they make me feel great. So, um, and I'm glad that people seem to like my uh, introductions. Uh, you know, originally I didn't know if you guys would like them or not, but it seems like most people do. So, here we go. I'll try and do some more uh, more introductions for you. Enjoy Jack Benny, the probably the final War Years presentation I'm going to make of the Jack Benny Show, and tune in tomorrow night for Fred Allen and his uh, final uh, Warriors presentation. And I hope you enjoy all the new shows from this new season. The Grape Nuts Flakes program, coming to you from Fort Custer, Michigan, and starring Jack Benny. With Mary Livingston, Dennis Day, Rochester, yours truly, Don Wilson, and our guest conductor, Bob Crosby, and his orchestra. <laughs> You know, 
I often suggest to you wives that you give your husbands delicious, nutritious grape nuts flakes at breakfast. But tonight, I have a new idea. My next words are for men only. Listen, fellas. Don't send the girls off to work without grape nuts flakes at breakfast. How are they going to hammer rivets? How are they going to drive a taxi cab or run an elevator unless their breakfast stays by them? So see that the gals get grape nuts flakes. For grape nuts flakes are a whole grain cereal chucked full of health-building food essentials. And say, just watch the girls go for that wonderful flavor. The malty-rich, sweet-as-a-nut grape nuts flavor in toasty brown flake form. A flavor different from any other flake cereal in America. So men, give the girls a hand. Give them a cheerful send-off of grape nuts flakes every morning. And by the way, you'll go for delicious grape nuts flakes yourself. gentlemen, from Fort Custer, Michigan, we bring you our master of ceremonies, a man who has used all the coupons in his ration book of comedy, Jack Benny. That's well, that's well. Thank you, thank you. Hello again, this is Jack Betty talking, and Don... Yes, Jack? Uh, speaking of coupons, my rotund river, <laughs> have you ever stopped to consider what food rationing will do to that stomach of yours? It'll go down like a blimp with a slow leak. <laughs> if you get the picture... Oh, that won't bother me, Jack. I'll just pull in my belt like everybody else. Well, Don, when you pull in your belt, will you sell me the leather that's left over? <laughs> I've got a Morris chair I want to recover. <laughs> well, anyway, Don, here we are at Fort Custer, Michigan. And this is really a tremendous camp. There are nearly 30,000 soldiers training here. Oh, I understand. By the way, Jack, have you met any of these fellows? Yes, uh, Don, and the strangest thing keeps happening. Every time I shake hands with somebody... They give me a jerk and throw me over their shoulder. <laughs> I, uh, I, I can't understand it. Well, you see, Jack, most of the boys here are training to be military police, and they've mastered the science of judo. Judo? What's that? Well, that's the art of self-defense without the use of weapons. Oh. So when those fellows threw you over their shoulders when they shook hands... They were just demonstrating a very simple hold. Oh, is that it? Gosh, I spent more time flying through the air this week than, than Jimmy Doolittle, you know? <laughs> Thank heaven my landing gear can take it. <laughs> but this, uh, this judo, this judo is very interesting, Don. I imagine you have to be pretty big and rugged to apply it properly, isn't it? Oh, no, Jack. Size and strength aren't important at all. They're not? No, a very small person, by applying the proper leverage, can break your arm. Gee. Or your leg. Gosh. Or even your neck. My goodness. 
Oh, hello, Mary. Hello, Jack. Shake hands. I wouldn't shake hands with you for a million dollars. <laughs> Just hello, Mary. That's all. Fine greeting you gave me, Mary. The minute you walk into the program, you want to break my neck. Well, I've been reading up on judo this week, and I want to practice on somebody. Listen, Mary, judo is for men. It's for boys engaged in hand-to-hand combat, so that when they get in a corner, they know what to do. Doesn't hurt for us girls to know a few tricks nowadays, either. (laughs) Well, Mary, we've, we've only been here a little while. How could you pick up judo so fast? Well, I was out with Captain Hooks last night, and he showed me a few holes. What? Uh, Come here, and I'll demonstrate one. What do you mean, demonstrate? You can't even lift me. Here, give me your right hand. Be careful, Jack. Oh, be careful, be careful. Here's my hand, Mary. What happens now? Just this. so rough. Did you see how I did that, Don? It's all a trick. Say, Mary, Mary, I think I got the knack of that. Uh, Give me your right hand, Don. What are you going to do? I'm going to work that same stunt on you. Now, give me your right hand. Here you are. Over you go. What are you laughing at? You couldn't lift a midget with a steam shovel. (laughs) I can throw, Wilson. Watch this. What was that? Your charm bracelet snapped off. (laughs) Oh, yes. Well, the heck of it. I'll try a little judo on Dennis when he comes in. You know what? Well, here's the kid now. Oh, hello, Dennis. Fine, thanks. How are you? I said, hello. Hello. (laughs) Say, Dennis. Uh, Dennis, you're a little late. Where were you? Well, I stopped in front of the theater and shook hands with a soldier. Yes? And I just got down off the roof. (laughs) Oh. If I'd have known I was going on a trip, I'd have packed a bag. Well, well, Dennis. (laughs) Oh, are you a... Dennis. (laughs) But Billy knew what I was going to say. Dennis, look at... That's what they call judo, you see. All the boys here are experts at it. That's, That's why that soldier could throw you right up to the roof. Gee, a thing like that might put an end to elevators. I doubt it Say, Dennis, uh, speaking of judo I'll show you how that trick is done It might come in handy in case you're being robbed Or uh, or attacked by a thug Or a girl gets fresh with me Yeah (laughs) 
Anything like that. Come here. I, I, I'll show you this trick. Oh, Jack, let him alone. He's got his song to do now. Oh, he can sing it out of the piano if you get what I mean. <laughs> Come on, Dennis. Give me your hand. Okay. <laughs> well, well, I did it. You're in the piano, Dennis. Yeah, but something went wrong. You're in here, too. <laughs> my hand, you little dodo. Now, go ahead and sing your song. Now, where's my... Oh, here it is. Hope I can put it on straight without a mirror. <laughs> I just kissed your picture Good night And now, dear, I'll turn down the line Your picture needs my pillow Works like a charm, it seems For you still through my pillow Into my dream, you know, when I'm really apart, are we still in each other's heart? Oh, but on my Doesn't matter where you are, I can see how fair you are. I close my eyes and there you are. Always, you know, when I'm really apart, for we're still in each other's arms. Good night, sung by Dennis Day, and very good, Dennis. In fact, uh, uh, you keep singing like that, and one of these Monday mornings, when you get your pay envelope, you're going to find that it's much fatter. You mean you're going to put more money in it? No, a slice of bacon. In this... 
You see, Dennis Bacon is hard to get nowadays. So are tenors. Don't kick them around. <laughs> not kicking you around. I'm just giving you the bacon so you can have a nice breakfast some morning. You Speaking know? of breakfast, Jack. Excuse me, Don. I'd like to give you a raise, Dennis, but you're doing all right. I pay you plenty of do re me. Can't we get that up to fossil law? <laughs> No, listen, Dennis, when I was your age, I made half of your salary. And I was a regular playboy. Every Saturday night, I used to take my girl to the best restaurant in town. And when the waiter brought the check, you'd hide under her hoop skirt. <laughs> I did not. Oh, pardon me, Don, what were you saying? Speaking of breakfast... Oh, yes. Inasmuch as we're near Battle Creek, I paid a very interesting visit yesterday to the plant where grape nuts flakes are made. Oh, I'm going there tomorrow, Don. Now, what's it like? May well, I first, Jack, uh, you'll see the ovens that bake the golden kernels of grape nuts flakes and make them toasty brown and sweet as a nut. Yes, yes. And then you'll see a large, bright, airy room where grape nuts flakes are sealed and packaged to ensure their malty, rich freshness. Uh-huh. And you'll also see a room which everybody calls the torture chamber. The torture chamber? What's that? That's where workers sit all day long and paste your picture on the box. Well, that's, a, that's a pretty good gag. I'm glad I'm working for an organization with a sense of humor. Well, Bob Crosby. Hello, Bob. Hi, Jackson. He called me Jackson. You know, Phil Harris used to call me that. By the way, Bob, do you know Phil? Why, sure. Matter of fact, we used to go with the same girl. The same girl? Yeah, I had the swing shift. <laughs> That's a hot one. You and Harris rushing the same girl, huh? What's her name? Agnes Crumdicker. <laughs> you, you and Phil Harris went out with Agnes Crumdicker? Hey, Mr. Benny, that's our girl. <laughs> Never mind. Remember we chipped in and bought her a new front tooth for Christmas? <laughs> I said, Dennis, never mind. It whirls around a little, but it's a beauty. <laughs> Good old Agnes. First she goes with Bob and Phil, then she goes with Dennis and me. I can't understand it. Why does she always go around with two fellows? She's got two heads. <laughs> she has not. Oh, say, Bob, your debut with us last week seems to have been very successful. I've gotten a lot of letters about you. You have? Yeah, I got one from a fellow named Bob Welch in Los Angeles, who not only insisted that I keep you on the program, but that I give you a cash bonus. Oh, well, that's my bookmaker. I'm into him a little. <laughs> oh, I see. Well, anyway, I'm glad you're getting a lot of fan mail. Now, Bob, what do you say we have a nice hot band number? Okay. Say, by the way, Jack, I got a big bang out of your new picture... I saw it at the Chicago Theater last Thursday. Uh, thanks, Bob, but my picture didn't open till Friday. You saw Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. <laughs> well, wasn't that you with the long teeth and the hair all over your face? No, of course not. I always play romantic parts. I'm the lover type. In fact, in my new picture, The Meanest Man in the World, I kissed Priscilla Lane three different times. If she knew anything about judo, you'd have never gotten near her. <laughs> well, she doesn't, so I had a wonderful time. Anyway, Crosby, as I was saying, let's give these boys here at Port Custer one of those bobcat tunes of yours. Okay. Say, by the way, Jack, what's this judo that everybody's talking about around here? Oh, it's a lot of fun, Bob. Haven't you ever tried it? <laughs> no, I haven't. 
Well, here, here, give me your right hand. Oh, let me take him, Jack. No, no, he's, he's my pigeon. Uh, come on, uh, come on, Bob, uh, give me your right hand. Okay. Well, there goes Benny out the window. <laughs> I knew it would happen. Well, what did I do wrong? <laughs> Nothing. You were wonderful. <laughs> Go ahead, Bob. Let's have your number. Oh, wait a minute. I'll take it. Hello? Hello, Miss Livingston. This is Rochester. <laughs> I'd like to speak to Mr. Benny, please. You'll have to call back later, Rochester. Mr. Benny was thrown out the window by judo. Is that the big gal he promised the fur coat to? <laughs> no, no. Judo is the science of self-defense without weapons. Have you ever tried it? No, ma'am. I never defend myself with anything I can't shave with also. <laughs> oh, I see. Well, call back later, Rochester. Thank you. Goodbye, Miss Livingston. Goodbye. All right, Bob, let's have you... Come in. Well, that's what they call judo, Bob. <laughs> Go ahead, let's have your band number. I bet he was surprised as I was when I went through that window. <laughs> Money played by Bob Crosby, who a few minutes ago threw the best job he ever had out the window. <laughs> and his orchestra. Oh, take it easy, Jackson. It was all a gag. Oh, sure, a gag. And now, ladies and gentlemen. My goodness, Jack, I never saw such a sore head. If it was just my head, I wouldn't be mad. <laughs> and now, ladies and gentlemen, for our feature attraction this evening. Now, Jack, I want you and Bob to kiss and make up. I won't kiss them. Then I will. You get away from them. And now, ladies and gentlemen, you might as well unpucker, Crosby. She's not going to kiss you. Now, tonight, for our feature attraction, in honor of Fort Custer, we are going to reenact a sketch based on a true episode in the life of my grandfather. Your grandfather? Yes. Because my grandfather, Kit Carson Benny... <laughs> 
served in the Indian Wars under General Custer, for whom this fort was named. My grandfather was a baker, and he made wonderful pies. Well, what's that got to do with Fort Custer? They were Custer pies. <laughs> Uh, Dennis. <laughs> uh, Dennis, uh, you have just given Fred Allen, who was sitting at his radio with a writer on each knee, the best opening he's had this season. <laughs> Believe me. Now, getting back to our sketch, I will play... The... I'll take it. Hello? Hello, Mr. Benny, this is Rochester. Oh. I called up before, but you had gone out for a breath of fresh air, head first. <laughs> I know, I know. Now, what do you want? Well, I made a report to, of our canned goods to the ration board like you told me to. Good. And incidentally, Rochester, you know, the law says that anything we make ourselves doesn't have to be declared. In that case, we're safe on jam, jellies, and gin. <laughs> gin? When did we bottle any gin? Where do you taste those pickled pig feet? <laughs> what? You mean to say you put pig's feet in gin? You can't put them in shoes anymore. <laughs> well, this conversation's getting too silly for me. Me too. A couple more pig foot and I'm going to bed. Good night. <laughs> Goodbye. Oh, say, Rochester, guess where we're going next week? St. Joe, Missouri. <laughs> They love you there. That's right. <laughs> Goodbye. Good old St. Joe. Now, as I was saying, I will play the part of my grandfather, Kit Carson Benny, the famous Indian scout. Mary, you and Mr. Strongarm Crosby are also going to be scouts. Dennis, you're going to be an Indian guide. And Don... Yes, Jack? Uh, due to the shortage of actors, I've decided to make you a whole company of men. <laughs> a whole company? Yes, here's your uniform, a coat with 30 pairs of pants. Slip them on. <laughs> and now, folks, for a thrilling saga of American history. The, the year 1874. The place, a crude blockhouse on the edge of the wilderness. As the scene opens, the old scout, Kit Carson Benny, is addressing his men. Curtain, uh, may use it. <laughs> Now, listen, men. Attention for roll call. Wild Bob Crosby. Here, Kit. Wild Bill Morrow. Here, Kit. Wild Ed Boulogne. Here, Kit. Wild Mary Livingston. Here, Kit. Here, Kit. Here, Kit. Stop that. <laughs> anyway, I've received orders from General Custer that we're to go out and locate a hostile Indian tribe which has been ravaging the countryside. And we'll find those Indians, or my name ain't... <laughs> Three days later. Company! Oh! <laughs> I knew this would happen. It always does. looks like a good place to make camp. We've got a sheltered location and plenty of spring water. In fact, we may stay here 
till the 1st of March. <laughs> now cut that out. Stop. Well, I better ask my Indian guide where we are. Oh, Conkapot. <laughs> oh, Conkapot. Yes, pool face. <laughs> That's pale face. <laughs> Although with my big blue eyes, my face does look like a shimmering pool of water. Where are we, Conkapot? Have you made a map of this territory? No, I thought we'd stop at a gas station and get one. <laughs> there won't be any gas stations for 50 years. Automobiles haven't been invented yet. Oh. I wish I knew where we were. Now, let's see. Look, fellas, a wild turkey. <laughs> what a beauty. That's the only turkey I ever saw with a Michigan license plate. And that cranberry sauce for a taillight is beautiful. Well, let's camp here for the night. But be careful, men. There are probably hostile Indians lurking behind every bush. Oh, don't be so scared. All the Indians around here are friendly. Good. Yikes! <laughs> friendly Indians? Then why is this arrow sticking in me? You bent over. They're only human. <laughs> oh, yes. Hey, Wild Bob Crosby, pull this arrow out of me. I'll leave it hang there. I'll, I'll hang my coat on it. <laughs> Go to your second broadcast. Read it right. <laughs> pull out that arrow. Now, as I was saying, men... Thank you. We'll camp here for the night. And first thing in the morning, we will continue on our mission for General Custer. All right, men, lay down. Unfold blankets. Company, sleep. <laughs> 4 a.m. the following morning, and our little band is sound asleep. <laughs> Company, halt. Wake up, men. Nobody speak above a whisper. I have a hunch there are hostile Indians around, and the slightest sound will warn them of our presence. Now, everybody get in line behind me. Quiet now. Quiet. Whoops. Crosby, watch your musket. <laughs> now, follow me, everybody. <coughs> What's that noise? Sounds like Tom Tom. Hey, Kit, here comes an Indian warrior towards us. Oh, yes. One that's been scalped. <laughs> All right, men, put down your muskets. I'll talk to this guy. How? How? You been? <laughs> I've been fine, thank you. I'll find out if this fellow is hostile or not. Paleface, wantum be friends with Indian. Indian friendly, too. Good. Pale haste, offer hand. In friendship. Shake them. Okay, shake them. <laughs> well, here I am back in the piano. <laughs> oh, well, play, Bob.
I have the answer to both sides of the question. It's grape nuts flakes. Yes, sir. You eat them because you just plain downright enjoy their malty, rich, sweet as a nut flavor. And then grape nuts flakes are so good for you. They're a whole grain cereal, plentiful, thrifty, and nutritious. Every bowl full of toasty brown grape nuts flakes brings you that important whole grain nourishment, including proteins, iron, phosphorus, and two important vitamins, niacin and B1. So while you're relishing this crisp, malty-rich breakfast treat, you're also getting grand nourishment. And remember, friends, when you start using those ration books tomorrow, you won't have to give up any of those precious coupons when you buy nourishing grape nuts flakes. They're not rations. So better climb on the bandwagon for better breakfast and start off tomorrow with Grape Nuts Flakes. St. Joe next week. Good night, folks. <laughs> this program is presented for the Army personnel and the top of the endorsement of the product by the War Department.